Live from historic downtown Carlisle, Pennsylvania, home of founding father James Wilson, 19th century hymn writer George Duffield, 19th century gospel minister George Norcross, and sports legend Jim Thorpe. It's Iron Sharpens Iron. This is a radio platform in which pastors, Christian scholars, and theologians address the burning issues facing the church and the world today. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 tells us iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Matthew Henry said that in this passage, we are cautioned to take heed with whom we converse and directed to have in view in conversation to make one another wiser and better. It is our hope that this goal will be accomplished over the next two hours, and we hope to hear from you, the listener, with your own questions. And now, here's your host, Chris Arnzen. Good afternoon, Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, Lake City, Florida, and the rest of humanity living on the planet Earth. Who are listening via live streaming at ironsharpensironradio.com. This is Chris Arnzen, your host of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, wishing you all a happy Tuesday on this 27th day of February 2024. I'm thrilled to have back an utterly fascinating guest who is returning to the program. His name is Lowell Ivey. He's director of Metanoia Prison Ministries. And we're going to be addressing a former white supremacist prison gang member who now reaches inmates with Christ's gospel of sovereign grace. And we're going to be particularly uh, focusing upon a confessionally reformed ordinary means of grace approach to prison ministry. And it's my honor and privilege to welcome you back to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, Lowell Ivey. Good to be back, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. And I want to urge our listeners, uh, after this live show is over, to please look up other interviews I've conducted with Lowell Ivey on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Just go to our search engine at ironsharpensironradio.com, search engine at the top of the page, and type in his last name will be sufficient, I-V as in victory, E-Y. Uh, Lowell Ivy, and uh, that uh, will bring you to all of his previous interviews. We've done several, at least in the past. Uh, well, uh, and of course, one of them will contain his utterly remarkable salvation testimony uh, of how the Lord delivered him uh, out from being a white supremacist and gang member in prison uh, to uh, becoming a born-again believer of Christ who has repented of his damnable sin of racism and uh, has made him a new creature in Christ, and uh, he is an ordained uh, Presbyterian pastor and now working with Metanoia Prison Ministries. But uh, please tell our listeners about Metanoia Prison Ministries. Sure. Thanks, Chris. Well, Metanoia is a Greek word. It means a change of mind. Um, it's often translated uh, repentance in, in the Bible. And really, that's where um, the name comes from. The name really uh, a reflection of the heart of the mission uh, of the organization, which is uh, to proclaim the 
the gospel of Jesus Christ so that uh, men and women uh, behind bars might repent and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, and so uh, Metanoia is a ministry that was uh, founded originally back in the 90s and uh, in its current form led by uh, it was led by Mark Casson for many, many years from 2006 on. And in 2009, uh, it became a ministry of the Presbyterian Church in America under the oversight of their home missions agency, Mission to North America. And so um, Metanoia is a, a, a ministry that's been around for a long time, and uh, it has uh, various aspects to it, uh, most especially our correspondence ministry where uh, hundreds of inmates around the country uh, are able to uh, take Bible correspondence courses and we have uh, uh, corresponding disciples who uh, grade those lessons and write a letter of encouragement uh, to to those um, behind bars. Praise God. Well, if anybody wants to explore uh, Metanoia Prison Ministries and find out more about this wonderful <laughs> organization and its director, Lowell Ivey, go to metanoiaprisonministries.org. Metanoia Prison Ministries dot org and Metanoia is spelled M as in Michael, E T as in Thomas, A N as in Nancy, O I A. Metanoia Prison Ministries dot org. Well, uh, why don't you let our listeners know uh, how you became affiliated with Metanoia? I know that at one point not long ago you were uh, the pastor of a Presbyterian church. Tell us about all the uh, providential circumstances that led to this? Well, years ago, uh, I met the, the current director, the director at that time of Metanoia, Mark Casson. Um, I met him actually when I had just begun seminary and, uh, and I was getting to know uh, my wife, May, at that time before we got married. And she and I were at a presentation he was doing at a church and it seemed like Mark was just uh, telling about my own experience. Everything that he said, I was nodding my head. And, and afterwards, he came up to me and he said, you know, I, I noticed you were nodding your head a lot or, and kept uh, talking uh, to May. And um, I, I, I just was wondering, you know, what was going on in your mind? And I said, well, everything that you were saying was exactly what I experienced while I was in prison. And, um, and I was trying to help her to, to, to see that. And so we got to know each other. Um, I, I guess it would, would have been 2010 or 2011. And I've uh, bumped into him a number of times along the way. Uh, I went on to, to uh, study. Go to, I went to seminary at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, I did a pastoral internship uh, beginning in uh, 2015 after I graduated. And in 2016, I was called to a church in Virginia Beach, Virginia Reformation Presbyterian Church, um, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Uh, it was a church plant. I planted uh, that church by the grace of God. And, um, and then we planted two other churches 
from that from that congregation. Um, again, I, I I continued the relationship with Mark. Um, we were friends, and uh, he came at one point and presented the ministry uh, at our church. Uh, but I never imagined that I would be um, serving as director of Metanoia. For one thing, I I loved pastoral ministry. I loved the congregation that I was serving. Uh, they loved me and my family. And I thought that I would just continue serving there until uh, until I could serve no longer. Uh, but um, last year in July, Mark called me up and he said that he was taking a new position with uh, Mission to North America. And he wanted to know if I would be willing to think about serving at, at Metanoia as the next director. Um, he, he said, you know, I can't promise you that. Uh, there'll be an interview process and so forth, but would you at least be willing to consider it? Uh, and oh, by the way, it'll, it'll involve uh, 100 to 120 days of travel every year. And um, so I immediately thought, well, there's no way this is going to happen as soon as I talk to uh, May. Uh, you know, she's going she's gonna to say that uh, this doesn't seem like something that would work for our family. And I, and I, I, I felt that would probably help me to, to provide an answer to Mark pretty quickly. But actually, May was the first one to say to me, that she thought that I should think about it, just given uh, where the Lord had had led me and how he had been preparing me all these years. And um, and so as I talked to, to others, as I talked to pastors in my presbytery, those that I uh, would seek counsel from, and then my own elders, um, it was really it was the same thing again and again. People that I thought would tell me, you know, I shouldn't do this for whatever reason, were telling me instead, I think you should think about it. And uh, that helped me to see that the Lord uh, seemed to be in this. And so we went through the interview process and uh, uh, was asked by the board to, um, to be their candidate. And, uh, and I began serving in this role in January uh, of this year. Well, praise God. Well, uh, you specifically, as I've already mentioned, wanted to focus our attention today uh, during our interview on uh, a particular, a very specific approach uh, to evangelism. You wanted to discuss a confessionally reformed ordinary means of grace approach to prison ministry. Why don't you uh, define that for us? Oh, happy to do so. Um, Well, as you know, and as um, I've shared on the program before, I spent 15 and a half years in prison. Uh, the Lord graciously set me free. Uh, while I was in solitary confinement, I spent uh, 10 years of my 15 years in solitary confinement. And it was as I was scanning the radio dial one night uh, that the Lord used a radio program to shine the light of the gospel. Iron sharpens iron? <laughs> I'm like kidding. I was hoping it was my show, but I knew that from our previous discussions that it wasn't. <laughs> it was It was actually a show called Here Comes the Light. Um, and uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure that experience has happened to somebody by listening to your program, Chris. But um, this was called Here Comes the Light. It was, it was really, uh, it was a, a radio program that uh, 
just a, a few Christians had. Um, they bought airtime on a country music station and uh, aired that program in an area of Texas, Huntsville, Texas, which is the, the hub of the prison system in Texas. Uh, and probably 60 to 80,000 prisoners could at any on any given Sunday night hear that program. And so um, the Lord used that program to bring me to the knowledge of Christ. Um, and so uh, it was it was through that experience that, well, first of all, I knew that whatever had happened to me, God had done it. It wasn't me. I had, I had done nothing. God had done everything. And uh, I didn't know the term reformed, but I certainly knew that God was the one who had uh, changed my heart and made me a new creature in Christ. Uh, as I began to, to study and learn and grow, um, and especially as I listened to another radio program, Renewing Your Mind with R.C. Sproul, uh, I began to become self-consciously reformed in my thinking, and and I read and studied quite a bit um, while I was still in prison. And um, when I got out of solitary confinement, I went through um, a, it was called the Gang Renunciation and Disassociation Program. Uh, to renounce my gang membership, uh, I was able to take college classes, and I, would, I was also able at that point to be released back into general population and to go to the worship services on Sundays. And um, and I, I felt that it was important that I go to those services because I thought it was a testimony to other prisoners, and and whatever uh, whatever I thought was lacking in those services, uh, nevertheless. I knew that the Lord could use it uh, to grow me and to strengthen me in Christ. Um, however, the services were not reformed. The worship wasn't reformed. The preaching wasn't reformed. And, and it was very, very seldom that I ever encountered a reformed volunteer in the prison system. Um, you know, there would be many who would come in and, and seek to minister to prisoners, but Almost none of them were uh, were reformed, and uh, and that began to help me see the need for distinctively and confessionally reformed prison ministry, uh, even when I was still in prison. And um, <clears throat> that's not to say that I didn't appreciate the ministry that, that was going on. There was quite a bit of uh, wonderful prison ministry that was going on. Uh, but I did see that there was a need for, for something more, something that would um, unfold the gospel in, um, in, in, a, in a systematic way, in a, in a confessional way, in a way that, um, that, would, uh, that would help uh, prisoners to make sense of the whole Bible. And, um, and so uh, I was already beginning to see that while I was in prison and began to to think that maybe the Lord was calling me into uh, full-time prison ministry uh, when, I, when I was released. And so um, I was taking my college classes with the hope that when I got out, I would go to seminary and, and maybe come back into the prison as, uh, as a seminary-trained, ordained minister, um, but, uh, but with, the, with the calling to minister in particular to prisoners. Because I knew that um, most pastors are not going to be able to minister 
to those in in prison, especially on the Lord's Day, they're going to have a congregation of their own uh, to minister to. And, and so I was I was seeing the need for those who would be seminary trained and ordained ministers to go into prisons and 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 minister um, uh, minister through the church um, in, in a in a church based way, but 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 as um, uh, but with that particular calling. And so uh, that's what I originally planned to do. Uh, the Lord had different plans for me, at least uh, at least for a while. Um, and, and now I see the great wisdom in his plan. Uh, over over time, I've, I've, I've developed my thinking more and more about about the need for um, for confessionally reformed. And, and as as you said, a, a means of grace approach to um, to prison ministry and really at the heart of it it's the the idea that that prisoners need the very same things that you and I need uh, we need uh, we need Christ we need the gospel we need the ordinary means of grace and and if I could summarize it by saying this we need the church um, prisoners, need the church just as you and I need the church. Um, and, and that a lot of times is an emphasis that's, that's lost in prison ministry, understandably so, because it's a complicated, you know, there are complicated questions that arise. Uh, how is it possible for uh, prisoners to have a connection to the church and, and to the means of grace? And I'm thinking of things like church membership, uh, how is that even possible? Um, and and so those are difficult questions, but they're questions that I think uh, there are biblical um, answers to. And, and I think that as Reformed people, uh, we're perhaps in a very good place to to help to answer those questions and and to minister effectively uh, in, in prison in, in a way that brings all of the means of grace to the prisoner. Now, could you please, uh, with some detail, compare that uh, kind of prison ministry that you believe is missing those important elements that you just mentioned? I mean, what what, what is being done specifically, and how are the efforts in evangelism and training and discipleship different in a common non-reformed prison ministry? That's a great question, and and I just want to reiterate what I said a, a moment ago that there's a lot of very good prison ministry that's being done, uh, that's that's being done by people who uh, would not necessarily identify themselves as as reformed, or perhaps they would they would be um, less than confessionally reformed, maybe soteriologically reformed, but not necessarily. Uh, adhering to one of the confessions of the Reformation, um, and, and and so I just want to emphasize that um, I think that the gospel is being preached uh, by many who would not identify themselves as as Reformed. However, I'll say also that I believe the um, the Reformed expression of Christianity is um, is the most robust 
and 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 most um, biblical expression uh, of Christianity because um, a confessional approach or a reformed approach to uh, to Christianity is simply seeking to um, uh, say what God has said in His Word on uh, in terms of the whole counsel of God, and so that's why we have confessions. And I think the confessions and the catechisms help us to um, to unfold the gospel in in a full orbed way. Um, take for instance the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Uh, it really is just an exposition of the gospel that we typically teach to our children. Uh, I have children. I have five children. One on the way. My my, my children are. They range in age from uh, 10 down to almost three. And um, these young children are learning the the shorter catechism. They're learning um, to memorize it, uh, and they're learning to, uh, to, to understand what it means. And, and really what it is, is, is it's an exposition beginning with uh, creation, Beginning with actually beginning with our purpose and beginning with God's creation of us, and then moving into uh, who God is, uh, moving into uh, who man is, and, and the nature of sin, our need for Christ, um, and, and then uh, the covenant, uh, how how we're to relate uh, to God and to one another in the church, um, and, and the means of grace. Um, sacraments and prayer and and, and you, when you look at that you you realize that here is a comprehensive systematic teaching for for the whole christian life not only what i'm to believe but uh, how i'm to to live in response to the god who has called me out of darkness and sin and, and so i i really strongly believe that um, we don't want to withhold that from from prisoners. Um, in fact, it's um, it's something that um, that my hope is is that it will help them to to grow in the knowledge of Christ and their sanctification. And um, and I think that the 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 more faithful we are in in teaching and preaching uh, the whole counsel of God and and the more that that is being uh, absorbed and received by those who are being instructed, uh, the more likely it is that um, that they will that they will grow and become mature Christians who, um, when released from prison, um, will will be a lot farther down the road um, in terms of their growth than they might otherwise be. Now. When you speak of the ordinary means of grace, that, uh, from my experience, uh, being a Reformed Christian, I'm a Reformed Baptist, as opposed to being a Presbyterian, as you are, but uh, we both believe in those concepts that include the ordinary means of grace. Uh, that has included the ordinances of the Church, uh, as many phrase it, uh, word and sacrament, uh, and some others prefer uh, the term ordinances, but I am mm -hmm. I am wondering 
does Metanoia Prison Ministries actually establish within the walls of these prison prisons <clears throat> a church? I mean, uh, is, is it conducted like a church? Are those who have not been baptized given the ordinance of baptism? Are those who have been baptized given the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, etc.? Is it conducted like a church with discipline, with uh, raising up uh, elders and deacons, and, and, and on and on I could go? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so the answer is yes, and some of what you said I would say yes to, and some of what some of what you said I'll say no to. Keep going, brother. Okay, okay. Um, so, with regard to establishing a church, um, our our goal is not to establish churches in prison. Rather, our goal is to connect the church outside to the body of Christ, inside or. Uh, to those who are being called out of darkness and, and into light. And, and so what we want is we want there to be a covenantal connection, uh, a relational connection between those who are outside and those who are inside. And so um, when when I look at Matthew 28, for example, uh, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. So we have the Great Commission. Make disciples of all the nations. And then what does he say next? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And um, one of the things that I think is important for us, whether we're Reformed Baptists, or whether we're Presbyterians, is we consider uh, baptism to be very, very important. Um, and, and, and the reason we do is because we understand that um, not only is it a command of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, but it's a gracious provision uh, that he gives to us. And so if someone is uh, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, then uh, by virtue of the fact that that person is a disciple, we would say they need to be baptized. They they love the Lord Jesus. They've repented of their sins. They've trusted in him and him alone, nothing of themselves. And, and they want to follow him all the days of their lives in this world. Well, uh, then the very next thing that is called for then is that that sign or that that mark that's given to mark out those who are disciples from those who are not disciples of Jesus. And so um, and so then the question becomes, well, if someone is is a Christian and ought to be baptized, then what else goes along with that? Well, uh, to be baptized means, in my understanding, to be brought into the visible church of the Lord Jesus. It's it's really the thing that sets us apart. And and so if you're brought into the the church, when whenever in in uh, the church that I served, whenever we would baptize someone, we would also accompany that with um, with vows. And so. Um, Someone who is is baptized, they're they're believing in the Lord Jesus. They're um, 
they're making a promise before God and his people uh, to uh, to follow him by his grace, knowing that they're not going to be able to keep that promise in their own strength. Uh, but they're going to follow the Lord Jesus, and they're promising to do so, and, and they're promising to do so not only as an individual, but in the context of the church. And I think that's very important um, as we think about what it means to be um, reformed and what it means to be a reformed believer, even in prison. Um, I'll say this. When I was in prison, I began to study not the Westminster Confession of Faith and Catechism, but I, but I actually started with the three forms of unity, yes. uh, learning the confessional standards. And um, the Belgian Confession in Article 28 says that every Christian is bound to join himself to the true church. And uh, I read that, and I said to myself, how am I going to do this? I'm going to join the true church. Uh, I'm in prison, and so I don't have any ability to, to leave prison and go and to find a church and to join a church. So I began writing letters to churches, and, and my hope was that I'd find a church that would um, that would uh, uh, begin to begin a relationship with me. Uh, I could write back and forth. Uh, eventually, over time, my hope was that they would see that my profession of faith was genuine, and, and even be willing to receive me in, into membership in, in the church. And I would have a, a church family uh, that already knew about me, uh, ready to receive me when I got out. So you were you, um, the goal is to get the prison inmate who is attending services within the four walls of the church, I mean the four walls of the prison, to become a member of a church that exists outside of the prison, and therefore, uh, if that prison inmate is eventually released, that he would join that church physically, but he would become a member while still in prison? Am I getting, understanding this correctly? In my opinion, that would be the ideal situation. It's, it's, of course, it's not, it's not the ideal thing in terms of, um, you know, in, in terms of what church membership is and, and what church membership typically entails. Maybe the closest parallel would be, uh, you know, a college student who is a member of a church, goes to college, uh, and maybe they're attending another church somewhere else. Mm-hmm. In, in the te- in the college town, but they retain their membership mm-hmm. um, in in the church that they're from because they're they're planning to go back home. Um, so maybe there's a parallel there, but the but the idea in, in my mind is that there would be um, is that there would be a connection between the church on the outside and the prisoner on the inside, and that the the prisoner on the inside would know that he's cared for and loved. Um, that there would be ministry that was taking place. Um, it, it's not exactly the same. It can't. It can't be the same. But there are ways um, for the church to be engaged and involved in the life of a prisoner. And I can give you some examples of that of churches that I know that have done this well. In fact, could you do um, that when we return from the first commercial break? Absolutely. Okay. Glad to. If anybody wants to join us, our email address is chrisarnson at gmail dot com. 
chrisarnson at gmail.com. Give us your first name at least, city and state and country of residence. Only remain anonymous if your question involves a personal and private matter. We'll be right back with Lowell Ivey right after these messages. Armored Republic exists to equip free men with tools of liberty to defend God-given rights against the twin threats of tyranny and chaos. If you own a rifle to resist tyrants and criminals, then you should own body armor and a med kit for the same reasons. A rifle stops evil, body armor and a med kit keep you in the fight and preserve your life. Armored Republic is a body of free craftsmen united to create tools of liberty. We are honored to be your armorsmith of choice. Civilian ownership of body armor is about increasing decentralized power and by comparison, reducing the advantages of centralized power. The danger of centralized power is often represented by the word king. As Americans, we hate the word king, applied to any mere man. We are armored republic, and in a republic, there is no king but Christ. Arm yourself with tools of liberty at armoredrepublic.com. I'm Phil Johnson, Executive Director of Grace to You with John MacArthur. I've been a frequent guest on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, and I highly recommend this show. But today I want to tell you about one of its advertisers, Rare Document Traders. Far and away, my favorite source for quality Charles Spurgeon memorabilia. Are you looking for that special, unique gift for your pastor or missionary friend or a loved one? Why not purchase a piece of church history that any believer would cherish? Rare Document Traders is your one-step source for Spurgeon's handwritten manuscripts and letters, as well as other rare books and collectible items from church history. In 15 years that they've been in business, they've earned a stellar reputation in the Reformed community with thousands of satisfied customers all around the world, including me. Visit raredoctraders.com today. That's raredoctraders.com. Don't forget to mention you heard about them on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. That's raredoctraders.com. Pastor Keith Allen of Lindbrook Baptist Church, a Christ-centered, gospel-driven church looking to spread the gospel in the southwest portion of Long Island, New York, and play our role in fulfilling the Great Commission, supporting and sending for the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're delighted to be a part of Chris Arnzen's Iron Sharpens Iron Radio advertising family. At Lindbrook Baptist Church, we believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired word of God inerrant in the original writings, complete as the revelation of God's will for salvation, and the supreme and final authority in all matters to which they speak. We believe in salvation by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. This salvation is based upon the sovereign grace of God, was purchased by Christ on the cross, and is received through faith alone, apart from any human merit, works, or ritual. Salvation in Christ also results in righteous living, good works, and appropriate respect and concern for all who bear God's image. If you live near Lindbrook, Long Island, or if you're just passing through on the Lord's Day, we'd love to have you come and join us in worship. For details, visit lindbrookbaptist.org. That's L-Y-N-Brookbaptist.org. This is Pastor Keith Allen of Lindbrook Baptist Church reminding you that by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, 
not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The Lord bless you in the knowledge of himself. Sharpens Iron Radio praise God for the generous monthly financial support of Royal Diadem Jewelers, educated by and affiliated with the American Gem Society, Jewelers of America, and the Gemological Institute of America. For the perfect custom-designed engagement ring or any one-of-a-kind piece of jewelry created exactly according to your imagination and specifications, Royal Diadem Jewelers has you covered. No matter where you live in the world, Royal Diadem will walk you step-by-step through every stage of the process and even hold a high-tech internet virtual visit using state-of-the-art jewelry design technology to serve you. They start by listening carefully to determine your needs. They're interested in making what you want, not what they want to sell you. From rough design to digital model, to photorealistic image, to wax prototype model, to the finished product, they're continually listening to your input, likes and dislikes, making any changes necessary along the way. This will ensure that your custom jewellery will turn out exactly as you dreamed and well beyond your expectations. Visit royaldiadem.com. That's royaldiadem.com today. Sterling Vanderwerker, owner of Royal Diadem Jewellers, his wife Bronnie, his business partner and manager Brian Wilson, and the entire family thank you all for listening to, praying for, and supporting the work of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And don't forget, folks, royaldiadem.com is still offering Iron Sharpens Iron Radio this mind-blowing opportunity on top of the financial support that RoyalDiadem.com already provides every month for Iron Trip and Zion Radio, they are adding to this this extra bonus, an amazing bonus, where we at Iron Trip and Zion Radio get 100% of the profits from any sale to an Iron Trip and Zion Radio listener when they are purchasing or custom designing jewelry simply by mentioning Iron Trip and Zion Radio. That's all you have to do, and we get at Iron Trip and Zion Radio, 100% of the profits from your jewelry purchase. So if you have any intention to buy jewelry for yourself, for someone you love, or to have a one-of-a-kind piece of jewelry custom designed and created, please go to royaldiadem.com soon, because we have absolutely no idea when they're eventually going to pull the plug on this amazing offer where we get 100% of the profits. Go to royaldiadem.com today to at least get the ball rolling on your purchase and that way it will further ensure when you mention Iron Trip and Zion Radio that we will get 100% of the profits from that sale. Go to royaldiadem.com today and mention Iron Trip and Zion Radio. And we're now back with our guest today, Lowell Ivey, who is the director of Metanoia Prison Ministries. And uh, just out of curiosity, Lowell, from everything that you've said so far, oh, wait a minute, you were going to add to what you were saying. I think you were giving us examples of exactly what you were fleshing out here as far as the ordinary means of grace uh, being used uh, in a confessionally reformed sense in a prison ministry. 
And if you could continue where you left off, please. Yeah, well, I'm happy to do that. I just don't want you to lose your thought either. I won't. So go ahead. Okay, okay. Um, well, uh, when I was in prison, one of the things that, uh, one of the prayers that I used to pray was um, Psalm 142, verse 7. And it says, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. And there's something so beautiful about that verse, um, especially for someone in prison like myself. Uh, I think I began to pray that prayer when I was still in solitary confinement. And every time I would come up for parole, I would be praying that I might be released. Um, and then the Lord would see fit to um, allow me to stay in prison and I wouldn't be released. And at the, at the end of that, uh, at the end of that time, and I come up for parole again, I'd, I'd be able to look back and see the, the Lord's wisdom in, in keeping me in prison. But nevertheless, I still prayed that I might be released primarily so that I could worship the Lord together with his people in a way that would glorify him. That's what I was longing for. And, um, and, and I believe there are many, many, many true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, part of the body of Christ, who are praying that prayer or something very similar to it. Um, one example is um, a man named Clint. And uh, I, I first heard about him um, uh, about a year ago. And, and then I was able to visit uh, the church that um, has been ministering to him. And uh, he did something very similar to what I did. He wrote a letter to a church in Vandalia, Ohio. He's serving prison time in Indiana right now. And he has about three to five years left to serve on his sentence. And he wrote a letter and the pastor took it to the other elders in the church and, uh, you know, asked what he should do with the letter. And they prayed about it and they, they realized that the Lord was giving them an opportunity for ministry. And so they reached out to him. They, they responded to his letter and a relationship began to form, uh, by correspondence. Um, the pastor and uh, at least one of the elders began to visit with him uh, regularly, spending time with him, getting to know him. Um, and eventually they would become convinced that he was a true believer and that he had what, uh, what we sometimes will call a, a credible profession of faith. And, and at that point, they began to, to ask themselves, well, what do we do with this? Um, Along the way, they were also sharing their experience with the congregation. So they talked about Clint in the in the Sunday school classes, um, and when they talked with people uh, after worship, they would they would mention him. Uh, he was talked about in the prayer meeting, and they prayed for him. Uh, they were sending him uh, 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 things to read, um, and and the and the church was getting to know him. And then, uh, uh, well, it was it was just last week that um, the pastor and one of the elders traveled to Indiana and held actually held a worship service in the prison, and and Clint was baptized, and he responded to the same 
uh, membership vows that uh, that church members take. Uh, every week he receives a copy, uh, a written copy of the sermon, uh, or in this case, the church has two worship services. So he gets both sermons and, and, he, and he reads those sermons uh, on the Lord's day. He gets a copy of the Sunday school uh, handout. And so he's, he's actually getting the same uh, uh, word ministry that the, that the rest of the congregation is getting. And then the pastor takes the time to talk to him about the sermon every week. Um, uh, the pastor and the elders connect with him by phone. And sometimes they even go and visit with him uh, in prison. And, and the goal is that when he gets out, uh, that, he will, that he will come up in front of the congregation on the, one of the first Sundays that he's there, and, and he'll, he'll profess his faith again before the congregation. He's already a member of the church, and, 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 and this won't, uh, nothing will change about that, but, but he'll be able to do it in person. Um, and another wonderful thing about this is that in this case, the ministry of that congregation to this man has been so meaningful to his family that his mother and his sister have started worshiping in the church. And, and that congregation is, is now ministering to them as well. Uh, so that's just one example. I could give you many, many more of churches that have, uh, that have really taken um, this seriously and, and begun to minister in a way that goes beyond uh, mere evangelism and moves into discipleship well the question i was going to ask you before do you believe that it would in any way be inherently improper for a prison ministry to actually establish a full-blown church in prison (laughs) you have a way of asking a controversial question. Uh. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just going by uh, I'm just going by Matthew 18:20 for where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. And yeah. Uh that would I know that there are differences of opinion on this. Uh and I believe I may even have a difference of opinion with the congregation where I'm a member. But it I have always been uh, uneasy about the reformed prohibition, it seems. Uh, and of course, like, like I said, this is not a, across the board something that's universally held. But there seems to be a prohibition amongst reformed uh, churches to permit the, the celebration of the Lord's table outside of the regular corporate gathering of the church. In other words, mm. they would never... In some congregations, they would never send out two or three or four or more members of the church to a nursing home to bring the Lord's table to that person or if somebody's homebound. And it always struck me as odd because in the Reformed faith, we allegedly uh, hold that ordinance in very high esteem and believe it's very important. And it seems that there would, in my opinion, I've always... Uh, been scratching my head why somebody through no fault of their own in a uh, nursing home uh, or in a uh, hospital or in uh, confined to their own home why they would be deprived of that ordinance so that that's one of the reasons hmm. that I bring it up uh, as, as far as I think it's a great 
Yeah, that's a that is actually a, a great question, and um, there there are a number of complexities when it comes to to prison ministry, and so we already re- recognize when we talk about prison ministry, we are way out of the box. Um, I mean, we're just we're just way out of the box, and we need to and we we need to be thinking uh, in, in a way that is um, that is consistent with the truth of scripture and yet um, and yet creative. We have to be creative in our solutions to the problems that are presented by incarceration. Um, one of the things that, um, that I will say without entering into the controversy too much, there is a controversy about whether or not, um, whether or not we should be tr- seeking to plant indigenous churches in prisons with their own uh, officers and that sort of thing, um, or whether or whether churches should be seeking to to connect with prisoners and minister to them um, in an out of the box kind of way, like like what you're saying. Um, now, I'm going to give myself away and say that I favor the latter. Um, I favor the connectionalism approach, and, and 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 one of the reasons why I favor that is because it's not only good for the prisoner, it's good for the, it's good for the church. Um, if a church is uh, simply, you know, kind of planting a church and then, and then moving on um, that long-term relational connection with the, with the body of Christ outside that prisoners need um, could be lost. So that's just one problem that I see with it. And, and I, and I think there are lots of, uh, creative ways that you can that you can do exactly what you've mentioned. Um, you know, I talked about how um, that pastor and that elder went in and held a worship service and and baptized Clint. Uh, and, and the same thing can happen with regard to the Lord's Supper. Um, it doesn't have to be a large group of people. It, it can be as you as you mentioned a moment ago. It can be just two or three gathered together. It can be uh, a pastor and one of the elders and and uh, 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 an inmate or two, and that's enough. That's enough for uh, an, a legitimate worship service to be taking place, um, and and you can administer the Lord's Supper in that context. I think that it's important for us to retain um, our ecclesiology while we do prison ministry, and I think this is one of the reasons why. Um, I think reformed prison ministry is going to be necessarily different from uh, a broadly evangelical kind of um, prison ministry because we understand the vital importance of our ecclesiology and, and we're seeking to minister without losing our doctrine of the church. Uh, we're seeking to minister effectively in, in a way that, that glorifies Christ without losing um, uh, who we are ecclesiologically. Uh, and, and so that's why I think it's really important for churches to, to be doing prison ministry, but to be doing it in a way that doesn't minimize um, uh, the sacraments of baptism and the, and the Lord's Supper that doesn't change uh, those sacraments. I'll give you an example of changing. Uh, when I was in prison, uh, this was actually the very same uh, radio program. The, the people who conducted that radio program uh, 
um, uh, had a very defective understanding of um, of the sacraments, and so they they encouraged us to um, to get uh, a cup of water and to get a cracker off of our tray and to celebrate the Lord's Supper by ourselves in our cell. And, um, and and while I understand the sentiment behind that, I don't think that what was being done was an actual celebration I, I, of the Lord's Supper. I agree with you, and neither <laughs> was or is those uh, who felt comfort during the COVID crisis uh, to remain in their homes rather than going to a worship service and have Amen. their own private yeah. so-called communion service. And uh, tragically, after that abuse of government power where churches were shut down or uh, pastors just fearful of the government, whatever the government might do to them, shut them down. Uh, yeah. They, 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 they started these Zoom services that in many cases, far too many cases that I uh, am uh, comfortable admitting, uh, are, they, these things are still going on. There are people that got so accustomed mm-hmm. to this, they've never returned to the corporate yeah. gathering of the church. You're, you've given a great illustration of what happens when we change our ecclesiology to fit the circumstances. In fact, could you pick up on ecclesiology when we return from our midway break? Sure. And uh, don't go away, folks. This is the longer break in the middle of the show. Please be patient with us. We'll be right back after these messages. Puritan Reformed is a Bible-believing, kingdom-building, devil-fighting church. We are devoted to upholding the apostolic doctrine and practice preserved in Scripture alone. Puritan Reformed teaches men to rule and lead as image-bearing prophets, priests, and kings. We teach families to worship together as families. Puritan is committed to teaching the whole counsel of God so that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. We sing the Psalms, teach the law, proclaim the gospel, make disciples, maintain discipline, and exalt Christ. This is Pastor David Reese of Puritan Reformed in Phoenix, Arizona. Join us in the glorious cause of advancing Christ's crown and covenant over the kings of the earth. Puritan Reformed Church. Believe. Build. Fight. PuritanPHX.com I'm Dr. Joseph Piper, President Emeritus and Professor of Systematic and Applied Theology at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Every Christian who's serious about the Reformed faith and the Westminster Standards should have and use the eight-volume commentary on the theology and ethics of the Westminster Larger Catechism titled Authentic Christianity by Dr. Joseph Moorcraft. It is much more than an exposition of the Larger Catechism. It is a thoroughly researched work that utilizes biblical exegesis as well as historical and systematic theology. Dr. Moorcraft is pastor of Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, and I urge everyone looking for a biblically faithful church in that area to visit that fine congregation. For details on the eight-volume commentary, go to westminstercommentary.com, westminstercommentary.com. For details on Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, 
visit heritagepresbyterianchurch.com, heritagepresbyterianchurch.com. Please tell Dr. Moorcraft and the saints at Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, that Dr. Joseph Piper of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary sent you. Sharpens Iron Radio first launched in 2005, the publishers of the New American Standard Bible were among my very first sponsors. It gives me joy knowing that many scholars and pastors in the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio audience have been sticking with or switching to the NASB. This is Daryl Bernard Harrison, co-host of the Just Thinking Podcast, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Tom Buck. A First Baptist Church in Lindell, Texas, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Kent Keller of Faith Bible Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Andrew Rappaport, the founder and executive director at Striving for Eternity Ministries, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Mark Romaldi, pastor of Sovereign Grace Church of Greenbrier, Tennessee, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Christopher Cookston, pastor of Prineville Community Church in Prineville, Oregon, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Matt Tarr, pastor of High Point Baptist Church in Larksville, Pennsylvania, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. Here's a great way for your church to help keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastors, are your pew Bibles tattered and falling apart? Consider restocking your pews with the NASB. And tell the publishers you heard about them from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com to place your order. President of the SecureCom Group and an enthusiastic supporter of Chris Arnzen's Iron Sharpens Iron radio program. The SecureCom Group provides the highest level of security, closed-circuit television, access control, and communication systems for Manhattan's top residential buildings, as well as churches, commercial properties, municipalities, and more. We custom install exactly what you need to protect yourself, including digital recording, off-site viewing, and connectivity from most smart devices. From simple code-activated systems to the latest technology using facial recognition, the SecureCom Group has it. We also provide the latest in intercom and IP telephone systems. In addition, we provide superior networking platforms. We'll create, maintain, and secure your local network. Whether it's a Wi-Fi or hardwire network, we'll implement the latest secured firewall, endpoint solutions, and cloud backup. I would love to have the honor and privilege of helping protect the lives and property of Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners and their associates. For more details on how the SecureCom Group may be of service to you with the very latest in security innovations, call 718-353-3355. That's 718-353-3355. Or visit securecomgroup.com. That's securecomgroup.com. 
This is Brian McLaughlin of the SecureCom Group, joining Chris Arnzen's family of advertisers to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. If you love Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, one of the best ways you can help keep the show on the air is by supporting our advertisers. One such faithful advertiser who really believes in what Chris Arnzen is doing is Daniel P. Patafuco, serious injury lawyer and Christian apologist. Dan is the president and founder of the Historical Bible Society. Their mission? To foster belief in the credibility of Scripture as the written Word of God. They go to various churches, schools, and institutions to publicly display a rare collection of biblical texts, along with a fascinating presentation by Mr. Butterfuco demonstrating the reliability of Scripture. To advance the cause of the gospel, they created a beautiful, perfect facsimile of the genealogy of Jesus Christ from the original engravings contained in a first edition 1611 King James Bible. This 17th-century hand-engraved chart shows the family tree of Jesus Christ going back to Adam and Eve. This book is complete with gorgeous full-size illustrations of Noah's Ark and the Tower of Babel, and an explanation of why the genealogy of Jesus is so important for his claims to the throne of the universe. Originals of this work are in museums, and nobody has ever made it accessible to the public in a large book form before. You can have your own copy of this 44-page genealogy book for a donation of $35 or more. Visit historicalbiblesociety.org. That's historicalbiblesociety.org. Thanks for helping to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Hi, I'm Buzz Taylor. Chris Arnzen of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio has had a long-time partnership with our friends at CVBBS, which stands for Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service. They specialize in supplying Reformed and Puritan books and Bibles at discount prices that make them affordable for everyone. CVBBS has been a family-owned book service since 1987, operating out of Carlisle, Pennsylvania. They seek to bring you the best available Christian books and Bibles at the best possible prices. Unlike other book sites, they make no effort to provide every book that is available or popular because, frankly, much of what is being printed is not worth your time. That means you can get to the good stuff faster. It also means you don't have to worry about being assaulted by the pornographic, heretical, and otherwise faith-insulting materials promoted by the secular book vendors. Browse the pages at ease, shop at your leisure, and purchase with confidence at Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service. Order online at cvbbs.com. That's cvbbs.com. Or you can order by phone at 1-800-656-0231. That's 1-800-656-0231. Please let our friends at CVBBS know that you heard about them on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Pastor Bill Sasso, Grace Church at Franklin, here in the beautiful state of Tennessee. 
Our congregation is one of a growing number of churches who love and support Iron Sharpens Iron Radio financially. Grace Church at Franklin is an independent, autonomous body of believers which strives to clearly declare the whole counsel of God as revealed in Scripture through the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the end for which we strive is the glory of God. If you live near Franklin, Tennessee, and Franklin is just south of Nashville, maybe 10 minutes, or you are visiting this area, or you have friends and loved ones nearby, we hope you will join us some Lord's Day in worshiping our God and Savior. Please feel free to contact me if you have more questions about Grace Church at Franklin. Our website is gracechurchatfranklin.org. That's gracechurchatfranklin.org. This is Pastor Bill Sasser wishing you all the richest blessings of our sovereign Lord, God, Savior, and King Jesus Christ today and always. Hi, this is John Sampson, pastor of King's Church in Peoria, Arizona, taking a moment of your day to talk about Chris Arnzen and the Iron Sharpens Iron podcast. I consider Chris a true friend and a man of high integrity. He's a skilled interviewer who's not afraid to ask the big penetrating questions while always defending the key doctrines of the Christian faith. I've always been happy to point people to this podcast knowing it's one of the very few safe places on the internet where folk won't be led astray. I believe this podcast needs to be heard far and wide. This is a day of great spiritual compromise, and yet God has raised Chris up for just such a time. And knowing this, it's up to us as members of the body of Christ to stand with such a ministry in prayer and in finances. I'm pleased to do so, and would like to ask you to prayerfully consider joining me in supporting Iron Sharpens Iron financially. Would you consider sending either a one-time gift or even becoming a regular monthly partner with this ministry? I know it would be a huge encouragement to Chris if you would. All the details can be found at ironsharpensironradio.com where you can click support. That's ironsharpensironradio.com. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, Give yourself unto reading. The man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Solid Ground Christian Books is a publisher and book distributor who takes these words of the Prince of Preachers to heart. The mission of Solid Ground Christian Books is to bring back treasures of the past to minister to Christians in the present and future, and to publish new titles that address burning issues in the church and the world. Since its beginning in 2001, Solid Ground has been committed to publish God-centered, Christ-exalting books for all ages. We invite you to go treasure hunting at solid-ground-books.com. That's solid-ground-books.com and see what priceless literary gems from the past or present you can unearth from Solid Ground. Solid Ground Christian Books is honored to be a weekly sponsor of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And please, folks, I'm urging you today, whether you've never purchased books from solid-ground-books.com before or whether you're a regular customer, I'm asking you to please go to solid-ground-books.com today and make a purchase of books and mention that you heard about solid-ground-books.com on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. 
Uh, and remember, you're not only going to be doing solid-ground-books.com a favor by purchasing books from them, and you're not only going to be doing Iron Trip and Zion Radio a favor by keeping one of our most important advertisers happy. You're going to be doing yourself and anyone for whom you are purchasing books from solid-ground-books.com an enormous favor of incalculable value because they bring back into print nothing but the finest in Christian literature from ages past, dating all the way back to the 16th century Protestant Reformation, including titles that have been forgotten for centuries and unavailable to the the church until solid-groundishbooks.com discovered them and brought them back into print. Going all the way through the ages to our current modern day, including books they published for the first time by modern-day authors like Dr. James R. White of Alpha and Mega Ministries. So, uh, if you are desirous of helping to keep Iron Shepherd's Iron Radio on the air, and also desirous of edifying yourself and others through the best in Christian literature, go to solid-ground-books.com today and make as large a purchase as you possibly can. At solid-ground-books.com, always mention that you heard about them from Chris Arnson of Iron Trepan's Iron Radio. Before I return to my fascinating interview with Lowell Ivey, the director of Metanoia Prison Ministries, I have some important announcements to make. Folks, if you love this show and you don't want it to disappear from the airwaves, please go to ironsharpensironradio.com, click support, then click, click to donate now. You can donate instantly with a debit or credit card in that fashion. If you prefer snail mail, as some seem to prefer, where you are sending a physical check to a physical address from your post office, there is also a physical address that appears on your screen when you click support at ironsharpensironradio.com, where you can mail your checks made payable to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. If you want to advertise with us, whether it's your church, parachurch ministry, business, private professional practice like a law firm or a medical firm, or maybe it's just a special event that you want to promote, as long as it's compatible with what I believe, I would love to help you launch an ad campaign quickly because we're just as much in urgent need of your advertising dollars as we are in your donations. So send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com and put advertising in the subject line. Also, folks, please remember, anyone who is donating to Iron Trippin' Zion Radio, never, ever uh, take money out of the money that you have set aside for your Lord's Day giving to your own local church in order to bless Iron Trippin' Zion Radio financially. In other words, never give your own church where you're a member less money than you're accustomed to giving your church in order to bless us. Also, if you're really struggling to survive and make ends meet, wait until you're back on your feet and more stable financially before you send us a financial gift. The Bible is extremely clear that we are primarily to use the money with which he has blessed us, which is still God's money. We're primarily to use that to support our church and our family. And providing for Iron Sharp and Zion Radio is obviously not a command of God. But if you do love this show and you have extra money above and beyond your ability to support church and family, you have extra money for benevolent, recreational, and trivial purposes, and you want us to stay on the air, please share some of that money with us as soon as you can. Go to ironsharpenzionradio.com, click support, then click, click to donate now. Also, if you are not a member of a Christ-honoring, theologically sound, doctrinally solid church 
No matter where you live in the world, I have extensive lists spanning the globe of biblically faithful churches and have helped many people in the Iron Sharp and Zion radio audience in all parts of the planet Earth find churches, sometimes even within just a couple of minutes from where they live. And that could be you too if you are without a biblically faithful church home. Send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com no matter where you live and put, I need a church in the subject line. That's also the email address where you can send in a question to Lowell Ivy. We are discussing metanoia, prison ministries, and more generally uh, a reformed approach to prison ministry uh, using the ordinary means of grace, uh, a confessionally reformed approach. Our email address is chrisarnson at gmail.com. chrisarnson at gmail.com. Give us your first name at least, city and state and country of residence. Only remain anonymous if your question is personal and private. And before I go to any listener questions, I want you to pick up on the ecclesiology issue that you started speaking about. Well, sure. Glad to, um, Chris. I think the, the, the point that we were talking about, and you illustrated that point with um, how the church in some quarters responded to uh, the COVID crisis, um, we, we can't change who we are and who God has called us to be as the church, um, because of a change in circumstances. And so if, if God has, has called us to, uh, to do certain things and to, um, and to administer sacraments in a certain way, then we can't take it upon ourselves to change that. And, and so I mentioned to you how um, one, one uh, thing that uh, the radio program that I listened to when I was in prison uh, encouraged us to do was to, um, to get a cup of water and a cracker from your, uh, from your lunch tray and, and celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper in the privacy of your cell by yourself. Um, well, we recognize that that is, is not, um, it's not biblical. And, and, and so as much as we want to encourage, um, prisoners to worship the Lord, we also want to encourage them to worship the Lord in the Lord's way. Um, and, and, and so, um, and so I, I, I strongly believe there are ways to do that. Um, and, and our ecclesiology, uh, does not change to fit the circumstances. So, so I want prisoners to have a strong sense of their need for the church, um, and I want them to have a, a good understanding of what the church is and and what the church does and why the church does what it does in the way that it does, and what does God's word say about all of these things. And, and so I don't think we're doing prisoners uh, any kind of service if we neglect ecclesiology. Ecclesiology is is so, so vital and so important because our, our whole life as Christians is lived together in the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ, and we're called to uh, to serve one another in the body of Christ. And, and so being a Christian— is not um, an isolated or individualistic activity. We're 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 uh, we're called 
to to be part of a body. And we want prisoners to, to understand that and to long for that, even when they don't yet have um, the fullest expression of that that they could possibly have. And so, um, so my sense is that we teach a robust ecclesiology and, and, we, and we do things um, in, in the right way, in a way that, is, um, that fits with our ecclesiology. And, um, and prisoners who are, who are converted, who love the Lord, who want to follow Jesus, uh, will understand that, um, that they're going to have to wait for some things until they get out of prison, such as uh, being together with all of God's people um, on the Lord's day. Somebody in solitary confinement is just going to have to wait for that, uh, but he's going to long for it as he does. And so I don't, I, I don't want to, um, to change our ecclesiology. Rather, I want, I want uh, to teach it. I want uh, prisoners to understand the importance of ecclesiology and, and to see themselves as part of the church. And then I want the church to uh, not to neglect those who are in prison simply because they can't be with them on the Lord's day, but I want them to, uh, in whatever way they possibly can, form meaningful relationships with those in prison. And that's exactly what Metanoia Prison Ministries is seeking to do. Praise God. Well, I want to say something uh, before I forget it. Uh, I have been trying to find the whereabouts of a brother in Christ who uh, was in prison in the 1990s, early 2000s. And I'm almost certain his name was Ira. And he became a uh, pen pal with me, for lack of a better term, when I was working for WMCA Radio in New York, 5.70 a.m. I had created at the time while I was working there uh, as uh, an account executive selling airtime. This is before I had my own show. I had created a show called The Voice of Sovereign Grace that was a reformed program airing every night at 10 p.m., and it featured every night a different Reformed pastor and one of that pastor's sermons. Uh, and uh, Joel Beakey, for instance, even got his start in radio through the voice of Sovereign Grace. <clears throat> and uh, Wow. And uh, so I maintained this this program for quite a number of years, and a listener to that program, uh, and I think his name was Ira, uh, began corresponding with me, and I began mailing him. I remember every time I mailed him Bibles and books, I'd mail him two of each because he had uh, a cellmate that he would give the second copy to. And this was back in a day. I don't know if they still allow it because I've heard from other people in prison ministries more recently that they don't allow you to ship books and Bibles to prison, but at that time, uh, I could to Sing Sing, which is where this prison inmate started in Ossining, New York. Then he was transferred to Clinton Correctional Facility in uh, Danamora or Danamora, 
New York, and then he was transferred to Mohawk Correctional Facility in Rome, New York. And if you're listening to this program by some amazing uh, act of providence of God, I would love from here. I would love to hear from you again, brother. If if what I am saying is starting to ring bells, and if anybody listening knows of a Christian inmate that started in Sing Sing in Ossining, New York, and went from there uh, to Clinton Correctional Facility and then went from there to Mohawk Correctional Facility. Uh, please let me know if you are aware of their whereabouts. Uh, but anyway, uh, let me go to uh, some listener questions. Uh, we have Sean in Roosevelt, Long Island, New York. And Sean says, in the beginning of the program, Chris Arnzen introduced you as a former white supremacist. When you are involved in prison ministry today, do you get warm reactions from black inmates and other minorities who see that you've repented from that? Or are they distrusting of you from the get-go because of that? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, I would say that when I minister to those in prison, I, I'm seeking to be as real and authentic with them as I can possibly be. And so I do tell them um who I once was, what I once believed, and and how the Lord delivered me from that and set me free from uh, the sin of racism and changed me and, and gave me a, a, a heart to see that he's uh, a God who loves all kinds and categories of people, not only because he's the creator of all kinds and categories of people, but because the blood of Jesus Christ has been shed for all kinds of people. And um, and in heaven, you know, I, I think often of um, the book of Revelation, where before the throne, we find every nation, tribe, and tongue worshiping the Lord. And, and so when I am real and authentic with those in prison, no matter what their race is, um, they see that authenticity, they respond to it. And and they and if they're believers in the Lord Jesus, there's a there's a spiritual kinship that goes far deeper than um, than ethnicity or race or even family connections. Okay, uh, Sean, uh, thanks for the excellent question. Uh, oh, by the way, I wanted to ask you, to your knowledge. Uh, is it uh, is the decision based uh, warden by warden or prison by prison whether or not you can mail Christian books and Bibles to a prison? Because because as I said earlier, I used to do it regularly with this prison inmate with whom I started a correspondence, or actually he started it. Uh, but then when I interviewed uh, Hannah Overton, I don't know if you're familiar with Hannah. She runs a prison ministry called Sindeo Ministries. Uh, many may recognize her name mm. uh, because she was tragically uh, arrested, prosecuted, and sentenced to, I believe it was a life sentence, 
uh, for murdering a foster child when it turned out that the child's death was uh, due to a rare medical condition called hypernatremia. <laughs> but um, she she is now released, but she actually began Bible studies and so forth while in prison in Texas. Mm. And uh, if anybody wants to find out more about her ministry, it's SyndeoMinistries.com, S-Y-N-D-E-O Ministries.com. Lovely lady. Uh, at the time that I interviewed her, she was not theologically reformed. I don't know if she is today. She was from a Calvary Chapel background, but a wonderful Christian sister. And But she told me during that interview that they prohibited, uh, I think, anything. Uh, but specifically, she said, books and Bibles. He couldn't mail them to a prisoner. Uh, is that something that was unusual to her situation, or do you know of anything different? Uh, well, there there are a wide variety of uh, rules and, and restrictions, and it does depend on the prison system, and sometimes it even depends on uh, the facility, um, the warden and the administration of, of a particular facility. Um, in, in general, um, what is typically possible is um, y- you're able to send materials through third-party distributors, uh, such as a Christian ministry or a Christian publisher might be able to send uh, softback books or Bibles, uh, Ligonier, for example, um, has a partnership with uh, Metanoia, and, and, and Ligonier not only provides um, uh, some Bible courses uh, that, that our students are able to use for uh, our correspondence ministry, but they also provide uh, softbound um, uh, copies of, of the Reformation Study Bible. Uh, and, and so that it is possible uh, especially if it comes through a publisher or a third-party distributor, it's usually not possible to send books or Bibles directly um, to a prisoner. You, you really do need to check with the facility um, to know exactly what the, the restrictions are. And, and what we're finding, too, uh, and this has uh, in some ways affected our uh, correspondence ministry, we're finding that a lot of prison systems are going toward um, uh, a digitization of, of the mail system. Uh, and so they're actually allowing prisoners to have uh, tablets and access to mail and, and media via tablet. Um, and, and so that's, uh, in, in, in some cases, that is um, shutting down the, um, the actual uh, distribution of printed materials. Uh, again, it, it differs from state to state, and not all states are going to this kind of system. But we're we're in a we're in a time of transition in in the in the prison system. I, I for one, would would have never uh, imagined that they would that they would begin allowing uh, prisoners to have access to tablets, text messaging, mm-hmm. and uh, email, and even video calls and things like that but that that actually is happening and um and there are companies that are making a lot of money um uh, uh by by charging fees for all of that and so um it's not free 
And a lot of times the cost is borne by the prisoners and their families. Yeah. In fact, I remember how troubled I was. Uh, I have this vivid memory of trying to get uh, a couple of brand new, gorgeous, leather-bound study Bibles uh, to this particular prison I mentioned. I can't remember which of those three prisons he was in at the time in upstate New York. But I was trying to desperately get them to him by Christmas. So I overnighted to him at a very large expense these two Bibles, one for him and one for his his cellmate. Uh, I overnighted them the day before Christmas Eve. And I remember speaking to a woman at one of these prisons where I was shipping the books uh, who is in charge of that kind of thing. And she actually rebuked me, saying, what are you doing wasting your time sending people in here Christmas gifts? Why don't you deal with your own family and bless them? I was shocked that a person who was employed at a prison would have that heartless Mm. reaction to what I was doing. She was shocked that I was doing it, and it shocked in a negative way. And... uh, what has been, in your experience, the kinds of responses and reactions that you have gotten from those who are employed in prisons to what you're doing? Well, you know, as with anything else, there's a there's a variety of responses um, ranging from thankfulness uh, to, as as you pointed out, um, heartlessness and and really that just reminds us that uh sin is in the heart of all of us uh and and that um uh and that there's also a spiritual battle that's taking place and uh satan does not want uh his kingdom to be overthrown by the kingdom of the lord jesus christ coming in the hearts of those that um that were his were satan's captives um but uh but we also know that no matter what the uh the disposition of the prison employees are uh or the rules and the regulations we know that that Christ's uh kingdom cannot be uh held back by the walls and the bars and the razor wire um you know i think it's i think it's it, uh, such a wonderful thing to remind ourselves of that um that one of the things that uh, is said uh, of of the Lord Jesus is that He would come to set the captives free. To some uh, are in uh, Isaiah forty two to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house, and so uh, He is able to overcome whatever obstacles there might be in the hearts of men, and um, and in the rules and regulations of the prison system. Uh, we've got a, a listener question from Toronto, Canada. Benji asks, I have heard from Christians I know who are in prison that it is a very rare thing to find a biblically sound chaplain and worship service in a prison these days. They seem to, according to what I have been told, almost completely overrun by leftists and apostates. Is this mm-hmm. true? 
Well, it's, it's hard to over, I don't want to overgeneralize. Uh, obviously, um, there, uh, as, as with the last question, there is a, a broad range. And so um, I think some some prisons are, are going to be better than, than others. Um, and some prison systems even uh, are going to be better than others. Uh, just for example, uh, one of the facilities that we minister in, and we have a, a, a one-on-one mentoring ministry at this facility, is uh, Walker State Prison in uh, Northwest Georgia. And uh, Walker State Prison is a faith and character-based prison. It's the wow. only faith and character-based prison in the whole state of Georgia. Wow. And uh, I've, I've never even heard of that concept at all. Oh, it's 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 uh it's really amazing. It's like no other prison that I've ever been in in my life. Uh, I sat down across from the warden uh, just a few weeks ago, and uh, she is um, she's she's in one sense she's an iron lady, <laughs> but but in another sense she's got a heart that is so clearly um, uh, softened for for these men that, that she is called to oversee. And, and you could see it, and, and you could see it also in the way that she interacted with, with us and our ministry. Uh, she told me how thankful she was for Metanoia and for the work that we're doing in, in the lives of, of the men that she oversees. And uh, I saw her and the staff treating each prisoner with dignity and respect uh, and, and this is a prison, uh, as I said, faith and character-based prison, uh, unlike any other prison that I've ever seen. The statewide recidivism rate in Georgia is about 60 percent, 60 to 70 percent uh, recidivism, meaning you know those who get out of they're going to they're going to come back again. Uh, 60 to 70 percent are coming back again. At Walker State Prison, it's less than three percent. Wow. Uh, so there's a vast difference between uh, one prison and another prison, one prison system and another prison system. Wow. Well, praise God. Uh, by the way, before I forget, I'd also like to uh, refer our listeners to the Iron, Iron Sharpens Iron Radio Archive uh, and type in the search engine prison, and you will get a number of uh interviews come up that I have conducted with both those on the outside of prison conducting uh prison ministries uh also former uh, uh inmates who are now on the outside uh and also one with a man who's spending a life sentence who I actually conducted the interview uh while he was in and still is in prison, Paul Trask, uh, he was a former reorganized Latter-day Saint, uh, the uh, Mormon uh, split-off, used to be called the RLDS, the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Now it's called the Communion of Christ, I believe, or the Community of Christ. Uh, but he was involved in a split off of the RLDS that was far more cultic, and he was involved in a murder of one of the members 
that was done by the order of the of the leader of this cult. And there have been documentaries on TV about the specific incidents, but you might find that truly fascinating. Paul Trask is his name. You could type in T R A S K, and he's written a book about it. Uh, and uh, it's called Faith Gone Astray, Unveiling the Kirtland Cult Murders. Mm. And uh, you'll be happy to hear this, Lowell. Not only did he become a Christian, which is the most important thing, he became reformed in prison as well, Mm. largely through reading uh, Dr. R.C. Sproul and other reformed uh, giants of the faith. But I just thought I'd throw that out there uh, since we are talking about prison ministries today. And uh, the, uh, let's see, we have uh, Ferdinand, Ferdinand in Duval, Washington wants to know, do you have any advice of, of getting your own local church involved in a prison ministry? Sorry about my fumbling there. Oh, that's. That's a a wonderful question. Thank you so much for asking that, Fernand. Uh, I I think there are a lot of things that we need to think about when we think about getting our own church involved. First of all, um, we we have to recognize that not every church is is near a prison, and so not every church is going to have um, a a a prison ministry in the sense of going into a prison, uh, but Every church can be praying for uh, uh, prisoners and those who minister to them. And, and I think that a ministry like ours, like Metanoia, um, is is really um, uh, very uh, oriented towards helping churches to understand uh, how they can become involved in in prison ministry. In fact, our our mission is not just to minister to prisoners. But it's to minister to churches, and, and you see that even on our website. We we have uh, uh, a mission of engaging, educating, and equipping the body of Christ for the discipleship, mentoring, and reintegration of prisoners. And so what we're seeking to do is not just minister uh, to prisoners, but minister also to the church. And many churches are going to have this very same question. I, I, I have a heart for evangelism and discipleship, but I don't even know where to begin, um, especially with regard to, to prison ministry. Well, that's where we come in. We, we help churches to, to think those, um, uh, to think through those issues. And, and we also, um, we're not a parachurch ministry. We're actually uh, a ministry of, uh, of the church, of the Presbyterian Church in America. Um, we're not exclusively ministering um uh in in a in a in a presbyterian uh uh context um in fact most prisoners are not presbyterians um but but we we are a ministry of the church and i think that's important um we we seek to establish ministries in in prisons that we can then uh bring local churches into so we seek to establish a ministry and bring uh, volunteers and even pastors and elders from uh, from local churches into uh, what we're doing, and, and we're doing it as the church. But we're also wanting local churches to uh, to, to to be involved in in what we're doing. And um, 
there are basically three aspects, three main aspects to what we do, uh, aside from uh, the preaching of the word, which is the main thing that happens, preaching and teaching of the word. Uh, but, but we also have the correspondence ministry. And this is something that any church and any member of any church can be involved in. Um, it's, uh, we have uh, Bible correspondence courses from a Reformed perspective uh, that get sent to the prisoner, and they, uh, they do the lessons. Then they send the lesson back to our home office in, in Chattanooga. And uh, there's no direct contact with, uh, with the inmates. Uh, those lessons are then sent to uh, our corresponding disciplers who grade the lessons. They, they have an answer key. And, uh, and they also write a letter of encouragement. And, and sometimes uh, whole families are involved in this. I, for example, uh, with, with my own family, um, I will be um, uh, reading the letters and, and grading the, the lessons together with, with my children and, and bringing them into what, what I'm doing as I, as I minister to, to an inmate. And so the correspondence ministry is something that anybody can do. Uh, oftentimes, um, elderly folks who who may feel like they, they 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 don't really have an area of service or ministry in the church anymore, um, this is something that they can pick up and do, and and they can be praying for uh, their students and and um, and seeking to have an impact on on that person's life, uh, and they do, and then and then also what we hear so often is that. Uh, the students have an impact on the lives of of the uh, of those who are writing to them and grading their lessons. And so there's there's a relational aspect to this uh, that I think is very very important. Uh, the other the other thing that we seek to do is we seek to establish uh, mentoring ministries in areas where there is a prison uh, and, and where uh, there are churches nearby that that uh, are supporting churches. And so those churches will uh, will seek to send volunteers into the prison. And, and we, uh, uh, we do all of the coordinating uh, of those ministries. And so the church is able to uh, simply uh, send volunteers in and, and we coordinate that, that mentoring ministry where, where people have a one-on-one -on -one, um, discipleship relationship over a long, sometimes a very long period of time, sometimes years at a time, and, and sometimes that ends up in, um, in in a relationship that even continues on the outside when when that inmate is released. Okay, we we um, have to go to our final break right now, but we can pick up where you left off if you'd like. Don't go away, yeah. folks. We'll be right back. James White of Alpha and Omega Ministries here. If you've watched my Dividing Line webcast often enough, you know I have a great love for getting Bibles and other documents vital to my ministry rebound to preserve and ensure their longevity. And besides that, they feel so good. I'm so delighted I discovered Post Tenebrous Lux Bible Rebinding. No radio ad will be long enough to sing their praises sufficiently, but I'll give it a shot. Jeffrey Rice of Post Tenebrous Lux is a remarkably gifted craftsman and artisan. All his work is 
is done by hand from the cutting to the pleating of corners to the perimeter stitching. Jeffrey uses the finest in buttery soft imported leathers in a wide variety of gorgeous colors like the turquoise goat skin tanned in Italy used for my Nessie All in 28th edition with a navy blue goat skin inside liner and the electric blue goat skin from a French tannery used to rebind a Reformation study Bible I used as a gift. The silver gilding he added on the page edges has a stunning mirror finish resembling highly polished chrome. Jeffrey will customize your rebinding to your specifications and even emboss your logo into the leather, making whatever he rebinds a one-of-a-kind work of art. For more details on post-Tenebrous Lux Bible Rebinding, go to ptlbiblerebinding.com. That's ptlbiblerebinding.com. McLaughlin, president of the SecureCom Group, and an enthusiastic supporter of Chris Arnzen's Iron Sharpens Iron radio program. The SecureCom Group provides the highest level of security, closed-circuit television, access control, and communication systems for Manhattan's top residential buildings, as well as churches, commercial properties, municipalities, and more. We custom install exactly what you need to protect yourself, including digital recording, off-site viewing, and connectivity from most smart devices. From simple code-activated systems to the latest technology using facial recognition, the SecureCom Group has it. We also provide the latest in intercom and IP telephone systems. In addition, we provide superior networking platforms. We'll create, maintain, and secure your local network. Whether it's a Wi-Fi or hardwire network, we'll implement the latest secured firewall, endpoint solutions, and cloud backup. I would love to have the honor and privilege of helping protect the lives and property of Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners and their associates. For more details on how the SecureCom Group may be of service to you with the very latest in security innovations, call 718-353-3355. That's 718-353-3355. Or visit securecomgroup.com. That's securecomgroup.com. This is Brian McLaughlin of the SecureCom Group, joining Chris Arnzen's family of advertisers to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. It's such a blessing to hear from Iron Sharpens Iron Radio listeners from all over the world. Here's Joe Riley, a listener in Ireland, who wants you to know about a guest on the show he really loves hearing interviewed, Dr. Joe Moorcraft. I'm Joe Riley, a faithful Iron Sharpens Iron radio listener here in Atoy in County Kildare, Ireland, going back to 2005. One of my very favorite guests on Iron Sharpens Iron is Dr. Joe Moorcraft. If you've been blessed by Iron Sharpens Iron radio, Dr. Moorcraft and Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, are largely to thank since they are one of the program's largest financial supporters. Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming is in Forsyth County, a part 
of the Atlanta metropolitan area. Heritage is a thoroughly biblical church, unwaveringly committed to Westminster standards. And Dr. Joe Moorcraft is the author of an eight-volume commentary on the larger catechism. Heritage is a member of the Hanover Presbytery, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and tracing its roots and heritage back to the great Protestant Reformation of the 16th century. Heritage maintains and follows the biblical truth and principles proclaimed by the Reformers. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and God's glory alone. Their primary goal is the worship of the triune God that continues in eternity. For more details on Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, visit heritagepresbyterianchurch.com. That's heritagepresbyterianchurch.com. Or call 678-954-7831. That's 678-954-7831. If you visit, tell them Joe Riley, an Iron Sharpens Iron radio listener, and a tie in County Kildare, Ireland, sent you. I'm Dr. Tony Costa, Professor of Apologetics and Islam at Toronto Baptist Seminary. I'm thrilled to introduce to you a church where I've been invited to speak and have grown to love. Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Quorum, Long Island, New York, pastored by Rich Jensen and Christopher McDowell. It's such a joy to witness and experience fellowship with people of God like the dear saints at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Quorum, who have an intensely passionate desire to continue digging deeper and deeper into the unfathomable riches of Christ in His Holy Word, and to enthusiastically proclaim Christ Jesus the King and his doctrines of sovereign grace in Suffolk County, Long Island, and beyond. I hope you also have the privilege of discovering this precious congregation and receive the blessing of being showered by their love, as I have. For more information on Hope Reformed Baptist Church, go to hopereformedli.net. That's hopereformedli.net. Or call 631-696-5711. That's 631-696-5711. Tell the folks at Hope Reformed Baptist Church of Quorum, Long Island, New York, that you heard about them from Tony Costa on Iron Sharpens Iron. When Iron Sharpens Iron Radio first launched in 2005, the publishers of the New American Standard Bible were among my very first sponsors. It gives me joy knowing that many scholars and pastors in the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio audience have been sticking with or switching to the NASB. I'm Dr. Joe Moorcraft, pastor of Heritage Presbyterian Church in Cumming, Georgia, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Anthony Uvino, founder of the ReformRookie.com and co-founder of New York Apologetics, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Tim Bushong of Syracuse Baptist Church in Syracuse, Indiana, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Eli Ayala, founder of Revealed Apologetics and staff member with the Historical Bible Society, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Josh Miller of Grace Bible Fellowship Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Joe Bianchi, president of Calvary Press Publishing in Greenville, South Carolina, And the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Jake Korn of Switzerland Community Church in Switzerland, Florida. And the NASB is my Bible of choice. 
Here's a great way for your church to help keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastors, are your pew Bibles tattered and falling apart? Consider restocking your pews with the NASB. And tell the publishers you heard about them from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com to place your order. Welcome back, Uh, folks. I just want to remind you that this program is paid for in part by the law firm of Buttafuoco and Associates. Uh, that is uh, operated by my dear friend Dan Buttafuoco, who I've known since the 1990s. Uh, if you are the victim of a serious personal injury or medical malpractice, please call 1-800-NOW-HURT, 1-800-NOW-HURT, or visit Dan Buttafuoco's website, 1-800-NOW-HURT.com. Please mention Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Also, for all men in ministry leadership, you are invited to the next free biannual Iron Sharpens Iron Radio Pastor's Luncheon, featuring for the first time our guest speaker, Dr. Joel Beakey, founder and president of Puritan Reform Theological Seminary. This will be held June 6th, that's Thursday, June 6th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Church of the Living Christ in Loysville, Pennsylvania. If you'd like to register for free, send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com and put Pastor's Luncheon in the subject line. Everything is free, and every person who attends is receiving a heavy sack of free brand new books personally selected by me and donated by generous Christian publishers all over the United States and the United Kingdom. Send me that email to chrisarnson at gmail.com and put Pastor's Luncheon in the subject line. We're now back with Lowell Ivey. Uh, before I have you pick up on the mentoring aspect that you were speaking about earlier, I was wondering if you were giving me a subtle insult uh, being a Reformed Baptist because you said that hardly any prison inmates are Presbyterian. What are you trying to convey but i'm only kidding oh what did i say that <laughs> you, you said hardly any of the prison inmates are presbyterian so i'm assuming they would, might be baptist could that be just... well uh, if they are baptist I, I think very few of them are reformed baptists uh... <laughs> well anyway pick what, a... there, they they there are so many who love who truly love and know the lord Amen. We'll pick up where you left off on the mentoring unless you finish that aspect. Well, um, you know, it's it's just another way that uh, our ministry seeks to connect prisoners with the visible church um, and, 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 and that connection uh, being a meaningful connection. A lot of these uh, men and women do not have anyone, um, family members even, writing them or um or visiting them and so you can imagine what it means to have uh, a brother or sister in christ to invest uh two nights a month of their life in 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 this kind of ministry this one-on-one personal ministry it means so much and um and so this is this is what metanoia seeks to do is, is it seeks to bridge that divide between uh, between prisoners and the church on the outside. And we have time for one last question from Gail in Terrell, Texas. Gail wants to know, are there any prison ministries that are subject to fines, violations, and other punishments from the leftist government? Because the church, as you well know, is rightfully a very exclusive organization, and I'm assuming 
that the worship services in these prisons have very serious restrictions when it comes to the leadership amongst prisoners who may be active homosexuals, transsexuals, or members of other religions? I appreciate the question. Um, you know, in our experience as a ministry, what we found is that the Lord has uh, has opened doors, even where you might not think that those doors could possibly be opened. And, and I uh, gave the example of Walker State Prison in, in Georgia, where we have um, a faith and character-based prison that uh, even uh, the warden and the correctional officers um, are, are on board with um, ministries like ours coming in. Um, we have regional directors in various regions throughout the United States. Uh, one of those uh, being California, where you would imagine uh, that it might be very difficult for us uh, to minister. And, and there are uh, restrictions and, and things that we have to uh, uh, adhere to and, and try to work with. Uh, but for the most part, um, in, in, in this country anyway, we can be very thankful that um, there's still a great deal of, of liberty in, in being able to minister to prisoners, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I can remember when I interviewed a former member of the Latin Kings gang in prison, uh, he had mentioned that he was actually barred from the, the worship service in the, the prison that he was in because he was mm. protesting to the chaplain that uh, transvestites and members of the Nation of Islam were speaking and in part of the choir and that kind of thing. I see. So is, I see. Is, well, that, is that kind of a common thing? I, I need to go back and listen to, to that interview. Um, I, you know, one of the things that, that I did run into when I was in prison uh, was that the Protestant services, it was a generalized, Protestant services, uh, a generalized Protestant service um, that that really did not make a distinction between reformed worship and everything else, <laughs> and so it, it was it was uh, it was difficult for us in the sense that we were we were seeking to have uh, a distinctively reformed kind of worship, and uh, and we were denied because uh, we what we were told was. Well, you have, you know, you have Protestant services. What more could you want? Um, whereas the Church of Christ uh, denomination, uh, they had a distinctive service that was um, that was uh, separate from Protestant services. Um, you know, one of the realities that that we have to face with prison ministry is that prisoners are not free, and uh, that doesn't mean that they have no freedoms. But but it does mean that there are a lot of restrictions, and uh, and and we have to, um, you know, honor those in authority insofar as we're able to, without uh, denying the faith. Well, it has been an honor and a joy to have you back on the program, uh, Lowell, and I look forward to you returning to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And uh, I believe your website is metanoiaprisonministries.org, correct? Yes, thank you so much for mentioning that. And uh, if you want to send me an email or even give me a call, my contact information is there on the website. And that is spelled M as in Michael, E-T 
as in Thomas, A-N as in Nancy, O-I-A, prisonfellowship.org. I look forward to your return, as I said, brother. I thank everybody who listened, and I want you all to always remember for the rest of your lives that Jesus Christ is a far greater Savior than you are a sinner.